In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You shall find the infant laid in a manger. Dear faithful, on this most holy night, while the minds of many turn to what is waiting for them under the Christmas tree, or what will be placed on the table for Christmas dinner, or perhaps more charitable thoughts of the loved ones whom they will see after such a long time. All of such thoughts are innocuous and even good. The thoughts of our hearts, the thoughts of all good Christians, should be on Bethlehem, on this word which has come to pass, that is, upon the divine infant who is born this holy night. As we contemplate the child Jesus in the crash with the Immaculate Virgin and St. Joseph, let us consider three questions. Who is this child? How is he born? And why? Certainly, we all know, or I hope we all know the answers to these questions, but it would do us all good to revisit them. Who is this child? To the eyes of the world, he is like any other. The vast majority ignore the miraculous circumstances of his birth and his true identity, or perhaps deny them outright. Yet if we gaze upon him with the eyes of faith, we see that he is like no other. This child has been promised from the very beginning, at least from the beginning of mankind's sinfulness. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and thy seed and her seed. She shall crush thy head, and thou shalt lie in wait for her heel. He is prefigured by all the patriarchs and great figures of the Old Testament, Abel the Just, Isaac, Moses, King David, and all the rest. He and every aspect of his conception, birth, life, and death were foretold ages beforehand by the prophets and the psalmist. His mysterious nature is evident from the fact that his coming into the world is announced by an angel, a messenger from heaven. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that shall be to all the people, for this day is born to you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This child is none other than the Son of God, made man. The very name of this infant reveals his true identity, Jesus, that is to say, Savior. It is he who will grow in grace and wisdom, work miracles, and preach the kingdom of heaven, die upon the cross, rise from the grave, and ascend into heaven, but not before founding the one true church, which is the one and only way that leads to him and to heaven. And yet he remains with us, though hidden in the most adorable sacrament of the altar, and will come yet again in great glory to be our judge, and hopefully will be himself our eternal reward. This is he whom angels and we with them adore this night. And how was he born? In a way that in no matter is befitting of his great dignity. 
The King of kings and Lord of lords is not born in some palace, but in a cave that serves as a stable for animals. Here there is no comfort, no warmth, nor beauty, but rather cold, darkness, and the stench of the beasts that make this place their shelter. He is not born of wealthy parents, though they descend from a now ruined monarchy and priesthood. He who is the eternal wisdom from on high, the Logos, the divine word, eternally begotten of the Father, becomes a man like us in all things, except sin, humbling himself to the point of assuming the habits of a newborn baby. He certainly possessed the usage of reason from the moment of his conception, and he could have begun preaching even at his birth, yet he remains silent other than to perhaps cry. He whose hands made both heaven and earth and everything within them allows these hands and his little members to be bound with swaddling clothes. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head even in his birth. A trough for beasts serves as his cradle. All of these circumstances point to our last question, why was he born? If the child is truly the one foretold by the prophets, why is he not born in splendor and great pomp? According to the wisdom of the world, he should be, yet the thoughts of God differ from the thoughts of men. The lowly circumstances of his birth should serve as an example for us. Learn of me, for I am meek and humble of heart, he says. He comes to condemn and expiate for our pride, avarice, and sensuality. His humility condemns our self-love and self-seeking. His poverty, our love of riches, money, and earthly things, and his mortification, our pleasure-seeking. Already at his birth, the cross on Mount Calvary casts its long shadow. He has come to suffer. He has come simply to die to die on that infamous tree so that he might draw all things to himself. Before his coming, no man could see God and live, and so he comes veiled in our feeble flesh. What could be more lovable than a newborn baby? He does not strike terror and awe by the magnificence and splendor of his Godhead, and yet a new light of his glory has shone upon the eyes of our minds, so that while we acknowledge God in a now visible form, we may through him be drawn to the love of things invisible. May our hearts then be filled this night with gladness, joy, and peace, that peace that can only be experienced by men of goodwill. May our eyes be open to see him for who he truly is, so that we might receive him, not as the Bethlehemites and Herod of old, but with the simple yet lively faith of the shepherds and Mary and Joseph as we kneel before him, whether it be at the manger or at the altar rail. May his infant and divine hand be raised over us in blessing as we strive to grow in virtue 
and in love for him. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.